How can you re remember the demand response credit? Well, it's the first credit that's not a pre also a prerequisite. How many points can you get in demand response? One to two points. Are there options for demand response? Kind of a trick question. There's not options, but there's case there's cases. So there's case one where demand response is available, and there's case two where it's not available. What are the load methods? You know, the methods that have the word load in it uh, available for demand response? It's load shedding or load shifting. So can you be semi-automated and get the demand response credit? Projects should install a fully automated demand response system based on external initiation by demand response program provider. A semi-automated semi demand response system may also be used. However, manual demand response system will not satisfy the credit. So basically a semi-automated demand response, I think if it's used with the energy management system is what allows it to be used. What are other little things you have to remember in order to get the credit? You have to include the commissioning of the demand response in the commissioning, and you have to do at least one full demand response test. What's the minimum? All right, so what are the percent of the loads that have to be uh, responded to or cut in order to comply with the demand response program? Those loads, the load has to represent 10% or more of the building's total energy use. How many points are available in the renewable energy production credit? And how can you remember the renewable energy production credit? Well, it's the second category that's not a prerequisite. Uh, it's the second credit that's not a prerequisite. And you can get one to three points. And what are the options for renewable energy? Again, uh, there are no options. Is it available for exemplary performance? Well, let's just first start with the um, requirements. So it's the percent of renewable energy. It's the percent of your energy consumption that's produced by renewable energy. And what are the increments? What are the steps? Well, for 1%, you get one point. For 5%, you get two points. And for 10%, you get three points. And for exemplary performance, you just keep going with the increment uh, to get to 15 points. Well, except core and shell, the core and shell doesn't have a 10%. It just does 1, 2, and 3%. How are the percentages calculated? By cost or by energy? Again, it's by cost, not energy usage. So it would be dollars, not kilowatts. The same stupid things the project has to retain, the owner or whatever has to, the project has to retain the environmental benefits. What's the minimum amount of time if you do a lease through a community renewable energy system or a solar garden? The contract requirement is for 10 years. And how do you do your calculations? You, like other credits, use the DOE, Department of Energy's CBECS, Commercial Building Energy Consumption Survey. Also, if you're aiming to get the enhanced commissioning credit, you have to also commission your renewable energy system. How many points can you get from enhanced refrigeration, refrigerant management? You can only get one point. What options do you have? How many options? Well, there's two options. What's the first? No refrigerant or only low impact refrigerants. Well, what's a low impact refrigerant? It's one that has a ozone depletion potential of zero and a global warming potential of less than what? 50. So option two is calculation of refrigerant impact, where you do a life cycle ozone depletion potential, LCODP, is equal to the ozone depletion uh, potential of the refrigerant times the leak rate times the life times the MR, which is the end of life regular loss, at 10%, and then you do that times the refrigerant to cooling, and you divide that by life or whatever, and then there's another equation, calculation of, of LCGWP. So there's LCGWP, 
and OWP, which is so ozone depletion and global warming potential. And uh, and then there's another equation for the weighted average, where you do the sum of those things, where you do the global warming plus the ozone depletion times uh, 10 to the fifth times the Q unit over Q total if it's less than 100. So there's all these crazy equations. And for something that's only one credit, this credit, this table I hear gets lots of, or this credit gets lots of questions. So there's a table that you have to remember, and it's really hard. But what, what are the different categories? Let's start with the big stuff. There's CFCs, which are chlorofluorocarbons, and they were outlawed. And then what's the next group? Well, you just add a hydro to it. Hydro, previous group, hydrochlorofluorocarbons. There's only two of those. And then the next group, you keep the hydro, but you lose the chloro. So the first one is CFCs and then HCFCs. And now just remove the C, so it's HFCs. And you have a bunch of those, and their ozone depletion potential is almost zero for all of them. And then the last category is what? Natural refrigerants. Well, there's how many of those? Three. And they are carbon dioxide, CO2, ammonia, NH3, and propane. And the natural refrigerants all have the ozone depletion potential of exactly zero. All right. Which of the hydrofluorocarbons have a global warming potential of less than 50? Trick question, none of them. So I think the only way to do an ozone, I'm sorry, a low impact refrigerant would be to use the natural refrigerants because their global warming is one and three as opposed to 50, which is the requirement. Okay, well, <clears throat> what are the CFCs, the chlorofluorocarbons that apparently we can't use anymore? I don't know why we care since we can't use them, but there's CFC 11, 12, 114, 500, and 502. All right, well, which of those are used in centrifugal chillers? 11 and 114, and also 500. Um, 12 is also used in a chiller, but not centrifugal, centrifugal, uh, centrifugal chillers. Um, which ones are used in refrigerators? 12. Um, I talked about how 500 is used in centrifugal chillers. Um, all right, so there's CFC 11 and 12 and 114 and 500 and 502. So which ones are used in humidifiers? Humidifiers are 500 and CFC 502 is for low temperature refrigeration. So humidifier, two zeros, I don't know, bubbles are formed in water, humid, humidity. Uh, maybe you can remember that. I don't know how you're gonna remember 11 and 12, CFC 11 and 12 and what they're used for. This table sucks. What are the CFCs? I'm sorry, what are the hydrochlorofluorocarbons? You have 22 and 123. What are they used for? 22 is used for air conditioning and also chillers. And HCFC 123 is used as a CFC 11 replacement. Well, what was CFC 11 used for? Centrifugal, centri centrifugal chillers. Oh my gosh, this table sucks. So the hydrochlorocarbons, hydrochlorofluorocarbons are quite a lot better. Their ozone depletion are 0.04 and 0.02 versus one for CFC 11 and one for CFC 12, and 0.9 for CFC 114, and 0.6 for CFC 500, and 0.2 for CFC 502. So 0.02 is quite a bit lower. Additionally, their global warming potentials are much lower. So the HCFC, HCFC 22's global warming potential is 1,780, which is high, but CFC 12 is 10,000, and CFC 11 is 4,000, CFC 12, I'm sorry, CFC 114, is 9,500 CFC 500 is 7,000 CFC 502 is 4,000. So the lowest CFC, the lowest CFC or chlorofluorocarbon is CFC 502, and it has 4,000. Where the hydrochlorofluorocarbon, it has uh, a much lower 1,780 
global warming potential. And HCSC 123, it has an amazingly low, it has the very lowest global warming potential and a damn low ozone depletion potential. It's, it's global warming potential is 76, like less than 100. And nothing else is closed except for the natural refrigerants. Now you get into the hydrofluorocarbons. What are they? Well, nothing really, nothing goes up past 500. So you got HFC 23, you've got one 100, HFC 134A, you've got one 200, 245FA, and then you've got three 400s and one 500. The HFC 400s are 404A, 407A, and 410A. And the very last HFC is 507A. All right, what's HFC 23 used for? Ultra low temperature refrigeration. So it's actually got the highest global warming potential of 12,000, which is you know pretty high. It's the highest of all of them, but it does have zero global warming. I'm sorry, ozone depletion potential, almost zero. All right, the next hydrochlorofluorocarbon is 134. It has a pretty pretty good. All of all of these have zero, almost zero ozone depletion. So I'm, from now on, I'm just going to ignore that column. It has a pretty good uh, global warming potential of 1,300, and it is used for a chlorofluorocarbon 12 and hydrochlorofluorocarbon 22 replacement. And uh, so HFC 134 is used as a CFC 12 or HCFC 22 replacement. All right, we still got some more to go. What's HFC 245 FA used for? Insulation agent and centrifugal chiller. How about HFC 404A? It's used for a low temperature as a low temperature low temperature refrigerant. What about 407C, the second 400? It's used for an HFC 22 replacement also. So it's the second HFC replacement. How about HFC 410A? It's used for air conditioning. How about the very last one? It's used, uh, when is it used? 507A. It's used as a low temperature refrigerant also. So it's the third low temperature one used for low temperatures. What is LR, big L, little r, used to indicate? It's the leakage rate of the refrigerant. What's it assumed to be? 2%. What's MR? It, it is used to indicate the end-of-life refrigerant loss. What is it assumed to be? 10%. What is AHRI, A-H-R-I? It is an institute that developed standards for HVAC and R refrigeration equipment and LEED addresses AHRI standards for enhanced refrigeration management. Can you get the credit if you uh, keep CFCs but you have a, a plan to replace them? You have a phase-out plan? No, projects that keep the CFCs past the initial occupancy, even with a phase-out plan, cannot meet the requirement. What if you're retail and you don't want to do one of the calculations? Well, newly constructed BD and C retail stores with commercial refrigeration systems can provide proof of attaining what? EPA's Green Chill Silver Level Store Certification. So if you have those refrigerators, then you are muy bueno. What are the green power and carbon offsets, points, and options? Well, there's one to two points. And are there any options? No. There's just, um, if you generate 50% of the building's total energy is addressed by green power, renewable energy credits or carbon offsets. If 50% results in one point and 100% results in two points and you cannot do exemplary performance. What is scope one energy? Scope one energy is owned or controlled and scope two is purchased and scope three, uh, it's not really purchased, it's just out there. So transmission and distribution losses from purchased electricity, business travel, employee commuting, contracted solid waste disposal, contracted waste water treatment for Green power and carbon offset is the calculation done in energy or cost. It's actual energy usage, unlike the other ones. So you would do kilowatts and not dollars. 
So Rex renewable energy credits and green power measured in megawatt hours or kilowatt hours, while the carbon offsets are measured in what? Metric tons of CO2 equivalent. So can carbon offsets be used for electricity and non-electricity energy sources? Yes. What scope? Scope one or scope two? What's the certification that you get for green power and Rex renewable energy credits? Green E energy, not green, oh. Green E energy is required for green power and renewable energy credits, and green E climate is, requ is required for carbon offsets. So how do you calculate the energy usage for a core and shell? You don't even know what's going in there. Well, you use BOMA, Building Owners and Managers Association Standards. How long does the contract have to be? For some of them, it was 10, but for green power and carbon offsets, the contract only has to be for five. All right, and it has to be from energy sources that have come online since when? January 1st, 2005. What are the energy and atmosphere prereqs and credits? Well, the prereqs, how many of them do you have? You have four. What are they? Fundamental commissioning and verification, minimum energy performance, building level energy metering, and fundamental refrigerant management. So for the prereqs, imagine a fundamentalist com uh, communist in an alley. Minimum energy performance. So he's on, he has coffee or he has coffee. Not cocaine, it's not maximum energy performance. He just has coffee. And he's standing by a meter, building level energy metering, and a refrigerator in the alley. So those are the minimum energy performance. I'm sorry, those are the prereqs. They all have equivalent credits. So fundamental commissioning becomes enhanced commissioning, credit one. Minimum energy performance becomes optimized energy performance, credit two. Building level metering, advanced energy metering. And finally, fundamental refrigeration management uh, becomes enhanced refrigeration management. So if you just remember the prereqs, you've got four of the credits. Well, there's really seven credits. So what are you missing? You're missing demand response. The communist in the alley is demanding a response. And you've got renewable energy production. He's also standing in the alley by solar panels. And green power and carbon offsets. He wants some weed. Um, I guess that has something to do with green. What standard is used to determine the climate zone of a project? Well, it's ASHRAE. What number? 90.1 is climate zone. What year? 2010. Well, is there an appendix or a table? There's an appendix. And what is the name of the appendix? Appendix B. What are the options for minimum energy performance? Well, there's option one, which is a building calc. There's option two, which is uh, prescriptive. And it's ASHRAE 50 Advanced Energy Design Guide. And unlike the credit, there's an option three, which is also prescriptive compliance, but it's advanced building core performance guide instead of advanced energy design guide. It's advanced building core performance guide. For minimum energy performance prereq, option one, energy simulation or whatever simulation, uh, whole building energy simulation. What is the minimum uh, demonstrated improvement? Well, how many different categories are there for minimum improvement? There's one for, for typical building design and construction, and it's 5% improvement. And for major renovation, what percent? 3%. For core and shell, what percent? It's not three or five, it's smaller, it's 2%. All right, previously we said ASHRAE 90.1, Appendix B is used to determine the climate zone. All right, what um, is the guide guideline that should be used for the whole building energy simulation? Well, it's also ASHRAE, but um, for some reason this time we're gonna call it ANSI slash ASHRAE slash AISNA standard 90.1, same standard, also from 2010, but uh, what is it, an appendix or a table? 
There's also an appendix, but what appendix? G. If you want to stimulate, I mean simulate energy, you need to use hit the G spot or the G appendix. For the energy atmosphere prerequisite minimum energy performance, there's three options. Option one is the blank. What? What is option one? It is the whole building energy simulation. Option two is basically for projects that do not contain any unique designs and systems beyond simple improvements to the MEP systems. It's only applicable to what? Office buildings less than 100,000 square feet. Retail buildings between 20 and 100,000 square feet. And school buildings of any size and hospitals larger than 100,000 square feet. So option three, project should be less than 100,000 square feet. And the project should not be a school, healthcare facility, warehouse, or laboratory. Basically, that ex two and three exclude some options. Schools can only do option one or two. Actually, schools, healthcare facilities, warehouses, and laboratories can only do one or two. Both options two and three require the project to be less than 100,000 square feet. So if you're more than 100,000, you can't do option two or three unless you're a hospital. And if you're a hospital, you can only do option two, not three. One or two, but not three. What is the ComNet modeling guideline and procedure used for? It's for documenting and the measures for reducing unregulated load. When products are using the um, exceptional calculation method, ECM, and you know documenting them optionally with ComNet, uh, what is the guideline that they follow for the, this unregulated load? The guide guideline is still what standard? What who who produces the standard? It's still ANSI ASHRAE AISNA, and what what's the number? Still 90.1 from 2010. Uh, what port, what part part? It's G2.5. How do data centers comply with the prerequisite? Um, well, to determine the total energy cost savings, data, data center projects teams have to create. What what do they have to do? for modeling. Well, you do one model for building energy cost and another one for IT equipment energy cost. And um, you have two IT load models. One is like the baseline scenario, um, maximum estimated IT load rating, and the second is for startup IT rating, expected at the time of commissioning. For prerequisite three, how long should a project share their building level energy metering values? For five years. What are the types of energy that need to be metered? Electricity, natural gas, chilled water, steam, fuel, oil, propane, and biomass energy sources all need to be metered. Does the prereq require metering of local generated sources, such as photovoltaic or wind? The answer is not for the prereq. What are words you can use to describe uh, core and shell meters? There's an extra word that gets added on to the beginning and it starts with a B. It's a base building level energy meter or submeter. So I guess you can aggregate uh, submeters to provide base building level data to represent the total building energy consumption. Uh, what, what standards are referenced for, for uh, envelope commissioning? Well, envelope commissioning is ASHRAE. So I guess ASHRAE cares about the envelope. And it's ASHRAE what? Well, commissioning, commissioning is kind of like communist. And uh, commissioning, communist. And communists are real zeros. So ASHRAE guide zero. And what? National Institute of Building Science, NIBS. Well, communists do like to like trump up nationalism. So there you go, National Institute of Building. It's, we don't, we're not, we don't just care about building science. We care about our nation's building sciences. All right, but there's a guideline. What guideline? Oh, guideline three, uh, because all communist organizations have a uh, father head figure, just like the uh, father son of the Holy Ghost. You know, you got Stalin, Mao, and uh, you know, you always have like, you always have to have hero worship in, the, in these like highly indoctrinal organizations. So guideline three from 2012. What are the options for enhanced commissioning? Well, option one is enhanced system commissioning. Kind of dumb, it's just the name of the project. Option two is envelope commissioning. What are the points worth? Option one has two paths. One path is 
option three, or three points, the second path is four points. And the first path of option one is called enhanced commissioning. And again, it's for three points. And path two is enhanced and monitoring based commissioning, which is four points. And or you can get two more additional points with a grand total of uh, four plus two equals six if you do the envelope commissioning. What goes into the enhanced commissioning plan? All of the commissioning requirements uh, go into the OPR, the owner's project requirements, the BOD basis of des design, and the commissioning plan. And all of those become the enhanced commissioning plan. Boom, shakalaka. What are the things that the commissioning authority has to do for enhanced commissioning? You have to, he has to, or here they have to review the contractor submittals, verify the inclusion of system manual and operator and occupant training requirements in the construction documents. So you get the O&M manuals. Verify the operator and occupant training. Uh, the training's delivery and effectiveness, verify seasonal testing, and construct a post-construction verification after the project completion. When? 10 months, not 12 months, not six months, but 10 months. And they have to develop the ongoing commissioning plan. So just like the prerequisite, what are the standards that guide commissioning? ASHRAE, ASHRAE 0, 1.1, and NIBS 3. 0 is from 2005, 1.1 is from 2007, and NIBS is from 2012. How many points are available in the optimized energy performance credit two of energy and atmosphere? Well, up to 18 points for all of them except for two. Which two? Healthcare and schools. How many points can you get with healthcare and schools? Well, with healthcare, you can get 20 points, and with schools, you can get 16 points. With the percent reduction in energy, according to option number one, which is the whole building energy simulation, where do you start for four percent reduction? Where does the table start? At 6%? Where does the table top out? Well, the table tops out at 50, but then the next incremental step for exemplary performance is 54. So it starts at 6 and goes up to 50 or 54, and every 2% reduction, every additional 2% reduction, you get one more point between 6 and 26%. And then from 26 to, uh, to 38, you do every 3% reduction. And then from 42 to 50, you do every 4% reduction. So it starts at, in increments of 2 and then increments of 3 and then increments of 4 from 6% up to, to 50 and then 54%. And there's different points required for each of these, or uh, re rewarded for each of these steps uh, for core and shell, healthcare, um, and all those, major innovation versus new construction. So each category has slightly different values. When should projects set their targets? No later than schematic design. So the, the points are based on energy annual energy cost savings. So it's cost, but the targets are actually in thousands of BTU per square foot or kilowatts per square meter year of source energy. And option two, which does it use? Is it Does it use the 50% or the one that doesn't say 50%? Uh, it does use the 50% one. Can you get exemplary performance for option two, the prescriptive compliance with ASHRAE Advanced Energy Design Guide? No, that's a big zero nopers. And how many points is the max you can get from the advanced, the 50% uh, or the ASHRAE Advanced Energy Design Guide, uh, the 50% design guide? The max you can get is six points. How many points are available in advanced energy metering? Just one point, and there's no exemplary performance. You need to do any load that's um, more than 10%, and um, I've already memorized the pretty easy to learn uh, other rules applicable to advanced energy metering, such as the commercial building energy consumption survey can be used to determine the 10%, and um, for core and shell, it's pretty um, self-explanatory that you need to provide a meter for the future tenants to independently meter their uh, energy uh, consumption separate from the base building just uh, kind of makes sense. 
A base building energy consumption will include the building equipment and systems in the core and shell scope of the project, which typically, typically include elevators, central plant, HVAC equipment, servicing the core space, and more. A minimum of one meter per energy source per floor should be provided. So anyways, seems pretty straightforward.